probably one of the most important messages I've done this year. So hold up your Bible. Say, this is God's Word. Not Pastor Redmond's Word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the Word of God I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open and I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. It's always a lamp unto our feet. It's always a light unto our path. And I pray that today the Word will interrupt bad thinking. It will reconstruct a troubled heart. And it will open our minds to what you know and what you believe that you want us to have from your Word. I step back so the Spirit of God can use me to communicate the oracles of God to your people. And we declare that signs, miracles, and wonders are going to follow our lives as a result of your word. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Let everybody say amen. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you this morning. So, you know, the Bible says Jesus sat down and taught the people. So I'm going to be standing and sitting today because I really want you... To be, to, I want your heart to hear what I'm teaching today. So we're in our ninth lesson in this series called Facing the Giants. And the purpose of this whole series has been designed to help you and I identify areas in our lives where giants exist and then start removing those giants by allowing the word to penetrate our hearts and bring light so you and I can yield to the Holy Spirit so we can operate and live in freedom. Amen. Now, let me say this. Everyone has or have had giants in their life. And these giants can range anywhere from you and I may be fearing how our children are going to turn out or you may be fearing you won't have enough money to retire with. But either way, fears are real. And these giants, if we don't deal with them, won't just go away. As a matter of fact, the first lesson that I did uh, explain one of the principles was this. Giants don't go away, they must be conquered. Everybody say giants. Don't go away, they must be conquered. So today our lesson is going to be centered around, listen now, facing the giant of fear in the area of trusting God. Facing the giant of fear in the area of trusting God. One of the biggest fears in life, I believe, is the fear of the unknown. In other words, we don't know what the future is, therefore it can produce internal fear if we allow it. And the fear of the unknown can also hinder us, watch this now, from fulfilling or fully trusting God. And although we may know what God's Word says He's going to do, it's still scary sometimes to step out and obey Him and yield to Him, not knowing if He's going to do His part. So let's explore through the Word and see 
how you and I can learn how to dismantle the fear of completely trusting God. Because once you and I get to the point where we know how to fully trust God, I, listen, you're talking about impossibilities happening in our lives. Amen. So we're going to primarily look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. 1 John 4, 16. I have three points for you this morning, and I really want you to pay attention to what I'm teaching, okay? Here's the first point if you're taking notes. Perfect love has no fear. I'm going to say that again. Perfect love has no fear. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 says this. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God, and God in him. Verse 17, herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Verse 18 says, there is no fear. Say no fear. Come on, say it again. Say no fear. There, there is no fear in love. Wow. Now, I'm going to, you know, elaborate on that. But I want you to hear what he's saying. He's saying there is no fear in love, which says that if I entertain or have fears, it's because I'm not in full love. He says, but perfect love. Watch this now. He says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love Cast out fear. Watch this. Because fear has torment. It is impossible to walk in the peace of God when fear is operating in our lives. And then he goes on to say, He that fear is not made perfect in love. Now I'm going to read that same verse in the New Living Translation. So be patient because I want you to hear it. He says, We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in His love. God is love. Notice he says, God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. I want you to hear what he's saying now. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence. Why? Because we live like Jesus here in this world. Verse 18 says, such love has no fear. Say no fear. Such love has no fear because, watch this now, Perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, listen, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced perfect love. Now, I don't want you to get caught up with how I'm saying what I'm saying. I need you to focus on what I'm saying. You know, so many times when a pastor or a preacher or a minister is preaching the word, we get excited about how they're saying what they're saying. I don't want you to get caught up in how I'm saying it. I really want you to pay attention to what I'm saying. So listen, we can see right here in scripture that fear in our hearts is what keeps us back from trusting God. And the reason we have the fear is because we're not walking, listen, in perfect love towards God. Did you get that? The only reason, because it said perfect love cast out fear. The only reason we are not walking in perfect love towards God is because we have fear. So let's look at this word perfect because it's perfect love that cast out fear. Because you and I, we love God. 
If you didn't love God, you wouldn't be watching this broadcast right now. So it's not that we don't love God. But if our love is not perfect towards God, we're going to entertain fear. And the scripture tells us, told us that fear produces torment. Or let me say it like this. When you have fear, you don't have peace. So this word perfect in that verse that we read in 1 John. The word perfect means mature and fully developed love. I'm going to say that again. That word perfect, when he says perfect love cast out fear, it means mature and fully developed love. Which tells me that I can love God, but it may not be mature or fully developed. Amen. So, 1 John 4, 18 should really read like this. There is no fear in love, but perfect love, mature and fully developed love, Cast out fear because fear has torment. He that feareth is not made mature or nor can fully develop in perfect love. Now listen to me. Listen, listen, Linda. Listen to me. The only thing that stands in the way of us walking in full love towards God is fear. You know why it's hard to tie fear you know why it's hard to because god showed me today there's a lady watching and your fiance which is unusual normally the woman is waiting on the man this man has already proposed to you but because you have some fear you have not given this man an answer i don't know who i'm talking to but just say that's me in the comment section praise the lord The only thing that stands in the way of us walking in full love towards God, listen, is fear. Now, the word fear, when you look it up, this is what it means. This is, now this is scary. (laughs) That's what fear means, right? Here's what that word fear means. It means terror. It means fright. It means panic. It means timidity. And it means anxiety. So when you and I have anxiety, when we're having panic attacks, when we're fearful and we're frightful and we're filled with terror, it's because, watch this now, our love is not fully developed. So in essence, we don't have a fear problem. We don't have an anxiety problem. We don't have a panic problem. We have an underdeveloped love problem. Someone say amen to that. And this is what keeps us from obeying God's promptings and it keeps us from trusting God. See, our love towards God, when it's not mature enough to believe Him, it causes us to walk in fear. Now, the New Living Translation of Jeremiah 29, 11 really tells us God's heart for us. This is what it says. He says, well, I know the plans that I have for you. Listen, you may not know the plans that, that God has for you, but he has plans for you. And then he says, listen, they are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In other words, God's got you. Somebody say out loud, God's got me. God's got you. 
You know, I heard a story, I don't know if it's real or if it's a fictitious story, but it was a family that was on vacation and uh, they were doing a car ride through the country that they were in and the, the weather was so beautiful that day, they just, you know, they had the windows rolled down and the nice breeze was going through the car. The guy had three kids and the husband and the wife was in the front seat and all of a sudden a bumblebee got in the car because the windows were down. And as a result of the bumblebee getting in the car, two of the kids were allergic to bumblebee stings. And they could, you know, because they were allergic to it, you know, they could end up uh, having some bad uh, issues if they got stung. And the dad knew that. And so this bee is flying around in the car and these kids are yelling and screaming. And all of a sudden the dad grabs the bee with his hand, holds it there for a minute, and then let the bee go. And the kids were frightful again. They're like, Dad, why did you let it go? Why did you let it go? And the dad said to them, I allowed the bee to sting me. Now he can't sting you. See, bees can only sting one time and then they die. In other words, that dad had their children. That dad protected their children, his children. So why were they fearful over a bumblebee that didn't have a stinger? Amen. Their love towards their dad was not perfect love. Listen, they had more fear in the bumblebee than they did in their dad's protection at that point. So here's the question that I have. If we don't have a fear problem, but an underdeveloped love problem, listen, how do we develop our love to the point that we can trust God and his word enough to obey him? Boy, that's a good question, ain't it? I mean, if we don't have a fear problem, but an underdeveloped love problem, how do we develop our love to the point that we can trust God and obey Him? Well, that brings me to point number two. If you're taking notes, here's point number two. Perfect love, listen, must be discovered before it is developed. I'm going to say that again. Perfect love must be discovered before it is developed. Here is why it is so important to understand, you know, uh, in a personal way, God's love for you. Because, see, I believe everybody is looking for that one person to love them and accept them just the way they are with no changes. And listen, the only person really that's capable of doing that is God. And what really matters worse or make matters worse uh, with us is a lot of times we want people, listen to me now, to love us and accept us just as we are, but we don't even love us and accept us ourselves. So the best way to discover new levels of God's love for you is going to be in three ways. Now, what I'm going to do first is read a story, because these three ways that you and I need to use, our, uh, to, these three ways to develop the love of God, so that we can trust them. They're found in this story. So what I'm going to do is read the story first. And then I'm going to give you what these three ways are. And how you can develop your love for God. Alright. So the story is found in John chapter 8 verse 20. Uh, John chapter 8 verse 2. And this story is about the lady that was caught in adultery. But I'm going to switch it up just a little. And, and say that this is the story of a lady and a man. That was caught in the act of adultery. They don't mention the man, but if she got caught in the act, she wasn't doing it by herself. Okay, it says, and in early in the morning, he, Jesus, came again into the temple 
And all the people came to him. And here's why I'm doing it today. He sat down and he taught the people. That's what Pastor Evans is doing today. He's sitting down teaching the peoples. All right. Verse 3. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman, listen, taken in adultery. And when they had sat her in the midst, they said to him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Okay, if they caught her in the act, where is the man at? She couldn't have done it by herself. Watch what they asked Jesus. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. Oh, so the woman should be stoned, but not the man? But what do you say? Now let me just point something out. I'm not trying to meddle at all, and this is not part of my notes, but I'm just going to say it. There were issues with gender being better, one man better than men, men better than women, even in that day, because we can see it right there. Why didn't they bring the man? Okay, so let me just say this. The way God sees men and women, just like there is one human race, men and women in God's eyes are equal. When you read Genesis, it says that he gave them both dominion. They were both created in the image of God. The man, God only assigned him to be the leader. And being the leader does not make you better. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's go on now. Verse, I made somebody mad. They said unto him, Master, the woman that has been taken in the very act. Now Moses said, hey, one should be stoned. Verse 6. Then they said, tempting him that they might accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he didn't hear him, hear them. And sometimes when people are talking stupid, that's what you just got to do. Just, just let them talk stupid and you just sit there like you don't, don't hear them. That's what Jesus did. And verse 7 says this, So when they continued asking him, they didn't just ask him one time. They just kept saying, Well, Jesus, what you going to do? Jesus, what you going to do? Jesus, what you going to do? He lifted up himself and he said to them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And he began to stoop down and wrote on the ground again. And they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning at the older, even unto the last. Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw nobody but the woman, he said to her, Woman, Where are your accusers? Has no man condemned you? Verse 11 says, She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So let's look at these three things that you and I can do to develop our love for God so we can trust Him because these three things are found in this story. So if you're taking notes, and they're going to put it on the screen, Here's the first thing that you and I can do to develop our love. Watch this. So it's to a point that fear is not operating, only our love and trust in God. Number one, to look for his love through his covenant. If we're going to develop our love to the point that fear is not operating, we have to look for his love through his covenant. And see, unfortunately in our society, contracts are more understood than covenants are. See, we must understand that God's word is his covenant towards us. And real covenants are typically or were typically uh, 
involving the shedding of blood. And that's why Jesus died for our sins and he had to shed his blood. God was making a covenant with his people. Amen. So when we read God's word, listen, it shouldn't be just to discover what God can do for us. When we read his word, it should also help us to discover who he is. So when you're reading the Bible, don't just look look at God's acts. Look at who he is because, listen, the better you know a person, the better you're able to love them and trust them. Romans 8.38 says this, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, and listen, no uh, any other creature shall be able, to, be able to separate me or us, watch this, from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, that verse is saying to us, there is nothing that has the power to separate you and I from how God loves us. Wow! There is nothing you can do to separate God's love for you. And through this story with the lady caught in adultery, the religious leaders, listen, were using God's covenant to judge when God's covenant has always been designed to love. I'm going to say that again. In this situation with the woman, these leaders here, these religious leaders, were using God's covenant to judge instead of using God's covenant to love. John 8 verse 4 says this. They said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery. And then they used the law to say she must be stoned. That's judgment. But then in verse 7, he said, and when they continued asking, he says, hey, if you don't have sin, then you throw the first stone. See, that's really love. But when we read and understand God's covenant, which is the word of God, then it's going to help us understand God's love for us through his covenant. Amen. Because, see, what you may not have thought about, at this point, standing or sitting in front of that woman... Jesus was the only sinless person right then and there. And, and, if, and since he was the only sinless person, then he could have legally, listen, and lawfully stoned that lady. But he chose not to. Why? Because the covenant of God is designed to love us and not judge us. And see, the devil tries to use God's own word to judge us and condemn us and even accuse us. Revelation chapter 12 verse 10 says, And I heard a loud voice from heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the king, and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. Listen, for the accuser of the brethren, the devil is cast down, which accused them, us, before our God day and night. The devil spends most of his time in front of God pointing his finger at us. He's made it his job to do that. And here's the thing. God dismisses every accusation of the devil because the blood of Jesus removed unrighteousness from us. But here's the problem. The sad thing, a lot of times the devil don't have to do nothing with us because we're too busy condemning ourselves. Amen. So the first way to discover God's love so we can develop it into perfect love is to look for his love through his covenant. Here's number two. The second thing we should do to discover new levels of love for God 
so that we can obey him and trust him is to look for his love. Watch this through his character. The first way was through his covenant. But if you really want to develop your love for God so you can trust him, then you have to look for his love through his character. See, God's character is who he really is. A person's character determines how they act and what they do. And that's why the Bible says God cannot lie. He cannot lie. It's impossible for God to lie. So if I believe that, then that means I could take what God says and run with it. But many of us can't because we don't really believe that God cannot lie. Amen. His character is who he really is. Watch what 1 John 4, we're going back to where we started. 1 John 4, 7, watch what it says. I'm going to point something out to you. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. Watch verse 8. And he that loves not knows not God. Read this with me. For God is love. Come on, say it again. For God is, God is love. God doesn't just love. He is love. So let's look at it this way. Whatever God asks of us. Is the standard he uses for himself. Oh, that's so good. I'm going to say that again. Boy, I tell you what, that was worth the price of admission right there. Let me say it again. Whatever God asks us to do is the standard he uses for himself. So let's, let's look at what love looks like to God and what love is because it says God is love. So let's listen to how God has decided to love us. See, a lot of times when we read what I'm about to read, we read it for uh, for instructions on how God wants us to love. But God would never ask us to do something he has not used as a standard for himself. So let's now read how God has decided to love us. Because when you really understand that God loves you, when you really know that, you will trust him. Watch this. This is now the New Living Translation of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Now, I'm going to read it like this. We just read where it says God is. He didn't just love, but he is love. So that means love is God and God is love. So what I'm going to do is in 1 Corinthians 13, where it says love or charity in in the King James Version... I'm going to replace that as the word God because God is what, class? Come on, God is what? God is love. Okay, so now we're in the New Living Translation of 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Love or God is patient. I know you feel like God is, you know, like up there with a hammer waiting for you to make every mistake. Oh, no, no, no. He's not like us. It says God is patient. God is kind. God is not jealous or boastful or proud. God is not rude. Listen, God does not demand his own way. We know that because if he did that, he would have never allowed Adam and Eve to do what they did. He said, oh, no, 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 y'all going to do it my way. No, God does not demand his own way. And that's why he wants us to fully trust him. Listen, It's not fully trust if he's controlling us to do it. God 
is not irritable. God keeps no record of being wrong. I know you remember what you did yesterday, but once you say, God, forgive me, he don't remember it no more. God does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Watch this, verse 7. God never gives up. God never loses faith. God is always hopeful, and God endures through every circumstance. He believes one day you're going to break through. Amen. That sounds like to me what we just read. That sounds like God can be trusted. I mean, have you ever discovered something about somebody that you didn't know? And when you discovered that, it changed your perspective in a better way towards that person? That's what I'm trying to get us to do today. I'm trying to get us to see that God has a love at a such level for us that if we understand that, We'll be able to trust him fully. And once you trust God at this level I'm talking about, all things are possible to him that believes. Amen. You see, the more you and I learn about God's character is the more we're able to exercise trust in him. And in this story now, going back to what happened, Jesus, who is God's official representative on this earth, showed the character of God's love towards this lady. John chapter 8, verse 10, it said, When he lifted himself up, he saw nothing but the woman. He said unto her, Woman, where are your accusers? She said, No man. He says, Have anyone condemned you? She says, No, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. In other words, here's what I want you to see, because we're talking about, If we develop God's love, we do that or we learn that through God's character. God's character of love was shown toward this lady. Why? Because the Bible says God does not keep a record of wrongs. Now, we might do that, but God doesn't do that. So our second way to develop God's love and so so we can trust Him more is for us to be able to uh, learn what this love is and develop it through his character. All right. So here's the thing. Let me give you number three and then I'm going to get into this. So the first way was through his covenant. The second way is through his character. Here's the third way you and I can develop our love in God so we can trust him more. And that is to look for his love through his Christ. Remember, see, sometimes we fail to remember that Jesus not only was God's representative here, But he was the very image of God himself. Meaning, listen, whatever God would have done is what Jesus did. If you want to know what God would do in a situation, just look to see what Jesus did. Why? Because he was God's representative on earth. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12 says this. Giving thanks to the Father which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints of the light. Verse 13. Who God has delivered us, watch this, from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Here's the verse I want you to see. In whom, the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption, through His blood we have the forgiveness of sins, who is, watch this, the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of every creature. In other words, Jesus was the image of the invisible God. 
2 Corinthians 4 verse 3 confirms what I just said. It says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to those who are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of those uh, who believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel be shined unto them. Then he says, Who is the image of God should shine unto them. Jesus is the image of of the living God. And if you want to understand God's love for you so you can develop trust for Him, you got to see it in Christ. His love can be clearly understood and seen by looking at Jesus. And if God desires, listen, if He desires to, to judge us and not love us, He never would have sent Jesus to die for us. And in that story regarding that lady who was caught in adultery, I want you to notice that something that Jesus said to her. Look in John 8, verse 10. It says, when Jesus lifted up himself, he saw nobody but the woman. He said to her, woman, where are your accusers? Has no man condemned them, condemned you? She said, no man, Lord. He said to her, neither do I condemn you. Watch what Jesus says now. Go and sin no more. Now, let me, let me show you God's love through Christ in this scenario. Notice Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Did he have the ability to do it? Yes, he did. But he says, no, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, now, now here's a thought. Here's a thought. Do you really believe she left and never did that again? <laughs> let, me answer, let me answer that for you. She probably did it again. You say, well, Pastor, that's wrong. You judging that lady. Okay, let me ask you a question. Have you ever done something twice that God asked you not to do the first time? Uh, let me answer that for you. Yeah. So the, the, the chances of this lady going to do that again was seriously high. So let me ask you this question. Do you believe that Jesus expected that lady to never do it again? Well, I believe he hoped that she wouldn't. Because we read in 1 Corinthians 13, the Bible says love hopes all things. Okay? But if he was more interested, listen to me now, if he was more interested in judging that lady, then he would have thrown the stone the first time. I mean, if the scenario was all about judgment, he never would have heard, he just would have stoned her because he was able to do it. And I believe if that lady went and did that again, I believe, I believe if that lady went and did it again, Jesus' response to her would have been the same way. So now I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to do something. I said I'm going to ask you to do something. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Stop judging you because Jesus ain't judging you. Oh, yeah, I use some slang. I, I, I have a degree, but I'm going to say it again. Stop judging you. Because Jesus ain't judging you. See, it's hard to be in love with somebody if you feel they're judging you. It's hard to pray to God if you think God is judging you. It is hard to trust God if you don't believe God believes that you are trustworthy. Amen. So now let's look at the third thing. Uh, that was the third thing, and that is to look for the display for God's love through Christ. So once we discover God's love in these three ways, here's the question. 
How do we now maintain or keep our love levels mature and full towards God? Because I believe our love levels can shift. All right? So how do we now, once we develop this love to the point now where I'm in perfect love, how do we keep our love levels at the perfect level? Here's point number three if you're taking notes. Dwelling deepens my love for God. Dwelling deepens my love for God. First John chapter 4 verse 16. Going back to that, I'm going to point something out that I didn't point out on purpose the first time. It says, and we have known and believed in Him. And when you dwell in love and when you dwell in God, herein is our love made perfect. So my love can stay perfect. My love can stay mature. My love can stay at the fully developed level if I learn how to dwell. That's what it says right here. Herein is our love made perfect. Herein is what? Herein, when we dwell, our love is made perfect. The Living Bible of 1 John 4, 17 says this. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So the key word there in that verse for us to stay in this fully developed love is the word dwell. But what does it mean? It has several definitions. They're going to put it on the screen for you. The word dwell means to stay in a given place or state. So let me, let me, let me help you understand that by giving you a flip version of it. You ever been mad and you decided to stay mad? Okay, it's saying here, dwell means to get in a place and stay there. It means, watch this, to abide, remain, and tarry. So I'm going to use a couple of verses to help you see what this word dwells mean because it uses in, in, in different English words. Luke chapter 19 verse 5 says this, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up, he saw him, and he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide, that's that word dwell, I must abide or dwell at your house. Mark chapter 14 verse 34 uses this word dwell again, but it uses a different English word. I'm just trying to get you a picture of what the word dwell means. It says, and he said unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry or dwell here and watch. So how we dwell in God's love so that our love towards him is mature and developed, we have to dwell, we have to stay there. Watch John 15, 7, because it uses this word dwell again, and then I'm going to show you exactly how to dwell. Watch this. John 15, verse 7 says, If you dwell or abide, same word, same word in the, in the Greek. He says, if you abide or dwell in me, watch this now, because here's one of the keys, and my words dwell in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done. Herein is my Father glorified, that you must bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Continue. There's the word dwell. It's a different English word. He said, but dwell you in my love. If you keep my commandments, watch this, you shall dwell in my love. So keeping his commandments or keeping the word is what helps us to dwell. So watch this now. Based on what we just read. The more of God's word that dwells or abides in us is the more we're able to obey that word. And the more we obey, because he says, listen, if you obey my commandments, 
then you dwell in my in my love. He says, listen, when we do that, our love is developed. So how do we apply this as I close right here? Here's the application. How do we apply this? Because I'm hoping that when we're done today, I'm hoping for a mind shift, a mindset shift to take place. Because God's got a whole lot more for you than you can imagine. You know that scripture says he's able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we could ask, think, or imagine? God's got so much for you. But if you don't see him right, you won't be able to receive from him right. So how do we now dwell in God so that our love can stay developed? Here's number one. Well, here's the the primary process. You got to put the word in every day. You put food in every day. You need to put the word in every day. How do you do that, Pastor Evan? Number one, you do that scripturally by reading. How do you put the word in? You script. You do that scripturally by reading. I'm gonna show you how I do it. I'm gonna tell you what my process is, but. This is my process. I'm just going to explain it. But scripturally by reading. Here's the second thing you do to to digest the word, to put the word in every day. You do it verbally by hearing. See, one of the things that I do every day, if I miss some days, you know, whatever, I'm not going to condemn myself. But for the most part, because I'm a creature of habit, I'm going to take the Bible version. And like this week, I've been in the first, the, the book of first Peter, the whole book, right? I know almost all of it by heart, but 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 I'm in that book. I'm just gonna I'm gonna stay in that book till I can get that book, right? Well, I I find it in the Bible ver- version, and I play it and I watch it while I hear it. In other words, I'm scripturally reading, I'm verbally hearing. Here's the third thing: you gotta faithfully uh, say it. How do you get it in? You gotta say it. How? Why? Because faith comes by what? Hearing. And then here's number four. You're going to actively do it. Why? Because Jesus said, if you love me, if you're dwelling me, you're going to dwell in my love, keep my commandments. So let me just say this. Obey what you know. God desires progress, not perfection. So there are some people watching me right now. And... Your love for God is real low because all the Christians you've known all your life have been judgmental Christians. And so you're like, I don't want it. You know, that's why a lot of people don't come to church. They'd be like, I ain't going to church with all those hypocrites. Well, really what they're saying is what's in their heart. They are a hypocrite too. But see, coming to church has nothing to do with the people. Coming to church has all to do with God. And there's somebody watching me today. It's time to make a decision. The Bible says we can only love God because he first loved us. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. There's somebody watching me right now. The question I have for you, if you die today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? Are you 100% sure? Because if you're not, I want to give you reason. I want to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. 
You say, well, Pastor Evan, I'm already a believer. I'm saved. I know if I die, I'm going to go to heaven. But my question is, are you in consistent fellowship with God? Have you been dwelling? Because there's a confidence that you get in God when you dwell that you don't have when you're not dwelling. And maybe you need to just recommit your life to Him today. And then there's some people watching me who need to make Word of Truth Family Church their church home. I know you're watching in New York, but you don't go to church in New York. But you're going to church right now. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to somebody right now who's watching me from New York. You don't go to church in New York, but you're watching us. Let this be your church until you find one. But there are some people who need to make Word of Truth Family Church their church home. You say, well, Pastor Evan, why are you so into being a member of a church? Well, I'm more so being, being a member of the body of Christ. But here's the thing. The Bible says that when you and I plant ourselves in the house of the Lord, we will flourish. Listen, being a part of a church, being planted in his house will do things for you that your education can't. So with every head bowed right there at your seat, right there at your home, I want to pray for some people who've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. In other words, if you die today and you're not 100% sure you'd go to heaven, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And those of you who are watching who are already believers, members of Word of Truth Family Church, just be praying while I'm praying with those because there are some people making some decisions right now. Those of you who need salvation, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe.